It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 83, we discuss our take on the Champions League news from Turner Sports, why B and Sports are walking on a tightrope after punches from Comcast and Verizon Fios, news about the new Manchester City Fly on the Wall documentary, and we have a bunch of letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, we took a break last week. Well, no, we didn't really take a break, but we didn't have we didn't have a podcast. But in the past seven days, we've interviewed, well, you interviewed Steve McManaman. Uh, we both interviewed John Champion and Craig Burley. Uh, the John Champion uh, interview we released a few days ago. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get the, the Macca and Craig Burley interviews ready for publication in the next few days or next, next week or so. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. And ICC, you've been co-commentating Miami FC games. Uh, anything else going on? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, also kind of consumed by the conversations about Chattanooga FC. That's been uh, oh, gosh. A, a big thing the last week. Yeah, yeah. it's just... You think you're getting a break after the World Cup, and you don't. And now we're um, 10 days away or, or nine days away, or eight days away, excuse me. The season starts on a Friday this year, uh, away from kicking off the Premier League season. The other big European leagues follow uh, quickly after that uh, transfer uh, situation, particularly in Serie A. Serie A somehow now has been uh, revived, and the Serie A club's not just Ronaldo. That was the trigger, but uh, Inter and uh, AC Milan are buying up players. Uh, uh, no break, no rest for the weary. Yeah, and um, for us in, in particular, and for the listeners, tons of news in regards to uh, sports media in terms of TV rights, uh, which matches are going to be on which channels, and so on and so forth. So, so the timing is perfect, and uh, let's jump into it, Kartik. So let, let's start off, we're going to do a very truncated uh, version of what we've been watching. Uh, just because I, I know you've been busy, I've been busy. Um, first of all, what about ICC? I haven't watched any of it. Um, I well, I went to the to women's games, the women's tournament, uh, and uh, the football, particularly from Leon, who did not win the tournament, who lost to North Carolina nil, but were the better team in terms of just you know it depends on your personal preferences, right? If you like to see quick counterattacking and, and balls down the flanks and 
uh, North Carolina as your team. If you want to see an intricate passing, lay on as your team. Uh, but that that was enjoyable. Uh, but about 2,000 people showed up for the final, 2,800 people. I think about 1,000 people showed up for the semifinals. Uh, so other than that, I have not watched the ICC. I just haven't been interested. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of youth teams. It comes right after the World Cup. It's just... There are matches that um, through the years of watching World Football Challenge and then the ICC, the World Football Challenge was the um, was the predecessor event. There was also a World Soccer Challenge, if you go further back, uh, which was marketed by Charlie Stolotano and uh, Champions World at the time. Um, it's getting it's getting lesser and lesser relevant, these, these matches. There's some nice moments. I mean, I've watched ESPN FC throughout the tournament, so I've, I've seen because obviously they were able to show high, highlights of that but haven't really watched it. Um, and I've watched a fair amount of MLS. Um, but I have to say on that front, uh, just one little bone to pick um, with our friends at ESPN, there's not the kind of long-term archive on MLS Live now on ESPN Plus that there was when it was a standalone product. But Chris, of course, it was a niche product then. Now it's being rolled into something much more mainstream. So... Um, Watched a, a fair amount of MLS. There have been good games and bad games. Um, and been watching the transfer market really closely every day. And unfortunately, uh, Chris, uh, I'll end on this. In our business, in our line of work, um, July, uh, mid-July to mid-August becomes about this. We talk about friendlies. We talk about matches. We talk about preseason preparation. But ultimately, the, the thing we do is we watch the transfer market and the thing we talk about are transfers or potential transfers. That, that's just the reality of where we are in the right. sport. Yeah, for, for ICC, um, so I've watched many of the games, not all of the games. Um, I've watched bits and pieces of you mean, Man City against Liverpool, uh, Benfica, Juventus, uh, Man United, Liverpool, so on and so forth. Uh, I went to a couple of the games, the Man City, Bayern Munich game, the Miami as well as the Man United-Real Madrid game on Tuesday night, also in Miami. Um, I think in some ways, I think the, the discussion about ICC for this summer has really been framed by the World Cup in terms of there's been a lot of kind of people out there saying like, ah, this is all youth squads or it's just poor attendances or the level of play is really poor. But a lot of it is that that's based on, on the World Cup in terms of one, um, a lot of players not being available uh, to a little bit of a f- fatigue factor, uh, I think, from the spectators. But at the end of the day, ICC sold more tickets this summer than they did last year. Um, the quality of football is, has been decent. I, I don't think anyone going into this is expecting to see, you know, in a Champions League final. But it's, it's been entertaining. I would say that Manchester City is probably the one team more than any team that has, um, well, had fewest... Uh, 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 kind of first team players available and has had had to play the youth squad so so Manchester City is really kind of tainted the tournament a little bit but but there's nothing else they could do I mean so they're, they're bringing a lot of these young young stars through and I've been really excited to watch them there's been some really shining stars one of them one of which might be going to Swansea so I'm, I'm really interested in that Liverpool on the other hand have been absolutely spectacular this entire tournament um, they've had mostly first first time uh, first teamers with some youth or some some fringe players, but they have been entertaining from start to finish. And and for me, as as a neutral watching this tournament, <clears throat> I, I've been entertained. And and at the end of the day, I think that that's that's all I'm looking for. 
Yeah, I think also I have to admit this is this is an issue with me watching MLS during the course of the week. I'm not um, equipped to um, sit and in, in a day job, which is you know eight nine hours a day, which is largely about soccer. Come home and turn on a soccer match. It's just that's so that's that's me. I mean that's that's uh, um, why I don't necessarily like weekday domestic soccer matches. Uh, and, and that's why it, through the years I've missed some national team games, even when I'm working and, 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 and so forth. So if they're, if they're national team friendlies, U.S. national team friendlies, um, I think it's par- partly personal where I work, I work in soccer and I want some downtime away from the sport. And so that's just unfortunate because obviously the ICC is in the United States. So it's scheduled in prime time in the United States, whereas um the Premier League, or if you're going to watch Champions League game midweek, they go on during business hours. It's a little, um, if you want to diversify your your lifestyle and not just be all soccer all the time, um, it's it's a little difficult. So I think that had a it's, little bit to do with it coming off of a World Cup. But you, you could argue, though, too, that, like, say, 9 to 5 for, for you, Kartik, would be kind of most, most of the listeners probably working office hours, 9 to 5. Yes. And then coming home and then having an MLS game on at you mean, 7.30 that evening on a week, weeknight um, to watch. And, and for me personally, um, that's always used... No, no, not you, Kartik, but but in general as an excuse in terms of uh, the, the the kind of the viewing times. But to me, no matter what the viewing times are, if the quality of football is entertaining enough or is is going to pull you in, you would watch it at no matter what time of the day it is, whether it's on a Saturday morning at seven forty-five or if it's uh, you mean a Saturday night at at, at midnight. Uh, I think a lot of times in the past. Um, MLS specifically, in terms of TV ratings, people are just complaining, well, it's on the wrong t- day, of the, the day of the week, or it's on the, wrong, on the wrong time. And I think if it's good enough, people will seek it out and will, and will watch it. Uh, I understand Maybe once a week, but I don't know that someone's going to come home and watch a soccer game th- uh, three, four days in a row. I, I, I get that baseball fans do that. I don't know how they yeah. do it. I think, um, I don't know, I think you under, underestimate the, the, the listenership. Because I, I, I think there's a lot of people that do that, will work all day, work hard, you mean come home, grab a beer, and, and watch a game for, for for soccer, which is great. 90 minutes, I mean, two hours, essentially. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I also think that that's still kind of a small percentage of... It, it's larger than the NFL, uh, the MLS fan base, because more people watch European football in this country than Major League Soccer, but it's still not approaching the numbers that would watch um, basketball and baseball under the same circumstances. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, and I watched um, a little bit of the uh, Major League Soccer All-Star game last night, um, great atmosphere in the stadium and uh the level of football seemed to be uh, pretty high it was really it was exciting and uh we had um uh, brad guzan wearing a oh wearing a uh, earpiece and so that during the game in the first half uh taylor twelman uh the co-commentator was actually able to talk to brad and listen to brad and that was something that was interesting i mean i don't think that's going to be anything we're going to see game in game out but that was kind of a unique experience, just hearing what Brad Guzan was saying and then just listening to Taylor talking back and forth to Brad. Uh, that, that just reinforces that the game's an exhibition game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though if you do skip that game and pull out of the game, you're, you're banned for a game, uh, <laughs> as in Zlatan. So it's exhibition, but in some ways it's actually, I mean, you, you do that for a league game, there's, there's no penalty. But for an all-star game, it's uh, one-match suspension. All right, Kartik, before we head into some big news from the TV world, 
Um, whether you're headed to a baseball game or concert this summer or just anxiously wait, awaiting the new football season that's kicking off in a couple of weeks, SeatGeek has you covered. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I actually have the the SeatGeek app on my phone. And it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I actually just used SeatGeek uh, to, to look for tickets the other day to see my favorite rock and roll band of all time who are coming in, in concert uh, to Tampa uh, next week. And, and that's uh, The Cult. So I'm a huge cult fan. So I'm thinking about going to that one. Uh, best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, uh, some big TV streaming news this week, and uh, let's have you kick it off and uh, sharing your thoughts about uh, the Champions League. Yeah, so Bleacher Report Live and TNT have finally released uh, uh, their their pricing plans and, and schedules for the Champions League and the, um, and the UEFA Europa League. Uh, what we've seen here is that uh, Bleacher Report Live will stream every uh, Europa League match uh, until the final, which will be on TNT, and every Champions League match, which is not on TNT, which is uh, there, there'll be four matches a match uh, a match day, uh, two matches a day on TNT at one and three o'clock Eastern times. Uh, a pregame show, a pregame show, a bridge show, and a postgame show that are on both TNT and Bleacher Report Live, uh, and then. Um, the rest of the matches, which would be uh, – I'm trying to count quickly. That's uh, – uh, how, how many other matches is that a match day? Uh, it, well, it, yeah, uh, so, 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 so TNT will have um, 46 UEFA Champions League games on TV yeah. and then yeah. one Europa League game on TV. So, so in, in total for this upcoming season, 47. Um, that compares to Fox, which sublicensed some of those games to ESPN and um, I think uh, – also, the Fox Sports Regionals and you had Fox Soccer Plus. So, in comparison, so with TNT showing 46 Champions League games, uh, Fox and its partners had shown 146. Wow. So, it's 100 fewer games on television. And, uh, and, and just to clarify, so every single game from the Champions League and the Europa League will be on Bleacher Report Live, even if, if, even if it's on TNT. If you do get TNT um, and you're, you can watch the games also through the Watch TNT app. Um, but uh, and the pricing too. So the pricing, uh, you can either go on a per game basis, which is two ninety nine, uh, or you can go a monthly plan, which is nine ninety nine, or you can go an annual plan, which is seventy nine ninety nine, and that's through Bleacher Report Live. And when you talk about the. Um the group stage specifically, there are only 24 games that will be on TNT during the group stage uh, of uh, of the competition. Whereas if you compare that to Fox and ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes last year, that's 40. That was 48. So that's half the number. Um, 
for better or for worse, uh, those other four games you're going to have to pay to watch um, on Bleacher Report Live. Yeah, so, so for cord for cord cutters, uh, this is this is perfect. I I think. I mean, you've got access to every single game if you want to, and if you want to go with a, a per game basis, you can do that. If you want to just watch, say Liverpool uh, or watch Arsenal. Uh, so for cord cutters, you can get everything if you want to, which is unlike NBC Sports Gold, where you, you can only get certain games and you can't get the games on TV. So for cord cutters, it's great. For everyone else, um, I think it depends what how much Champions League and Europa League you watch. For the hardcore fans who like to flip channels or, or watch I mean, two or three games a day or, or, or tape a couple and watch a couple live... Um, that's going to be a challenge unless you just go straight to Bleacher Report Live. And there's going to be far fewer games on TNT. Uh, TNT is in more homes than Fox Sports 1 uh, by about 5 million homes. So uh, so I think really what the difference is to me, Kartik, is that uh, with TNT, they're going after the mainstream fan, hoping that they get them hooked. I mean, they're watching basketball, NBA, and then they're, they're watching now Champions League. And then if they want to get into into it deeper, then, you mean, there's Bleacher Report Live to kind of suck them in with that uh, streaming package. I don't think it's necessarily mainstream fans for Turner also. It's it's a lot of people who watch drama programs and movies on TNT that are more kind of culturally uh, diverse and might want to watch uh, – uh, top, uh, top football product. So I think that's part of Turner's strategy. It is in five or six more million homes than FS1. Uh, I will, however, say it is a much more mainstream channel than FS1. So it's a channel that if you ask someone uh, just casually, hey, do you get TNT? They'll know what channel it is on their cable system. Um, if you ask someone, you get FS1 or FS2, what channels? Are they? they may not know. So that's um, that's a little bit kind of a hidden thing, but that's a, a somewhat of an advantage. The pricing is interesting, Chris. I mean, I think um, the nine ninety nine a month is steeper than I hoped it would be. But I like the a la carte type pricing that they do have also, uh, which doesn't rope you into buying an entire package the way NBC Sports Gold does. So that's that's an advantage. Uh, but it's uh, the price point is higher than that of ESPN Plus, which uh, significantly higher. Which to me was a little bit surprising. Yeah, but but it's actually less than Fox Soccer Match Pass, which was twenty oh, correct, correct twenty dollars a month. And yeah. and with the, with the nine ninety nine, you get access to everything. So you get um, the Belgian League, uh, the Scottish League, Champions League, Europa League, and um, and also the other sports. And there's other sports too on Bleacher Report Live. So depending on how, you, yeah, it's definitely more expensive than ESPN Plus. But it's the Champions League, so it's a it's a whole other level. Um, as far as talent goes, we know that Kate Abdo is going to be hosting in studio. Uh, we know that Steve Nash is going to be one of the studio analysts. And uh, although it hasn't been to, been announced, we understand that uh, Tim Howard is also yeah. going to be one of the studio analysts um, for uh, Bleacher Report Live and Turner on this one. And um, probably the best news of all is that the commentary is going to be the world feed. So there's going to be no Turner... Uh, commentaries. There's going to be no, you know, I don't know, John Strong and Stuart Holden Fox style type of uh, broadcast. It's going to be the world feed. So, so that's good news. Um, a lot of those games though are called off the monitor, um, but perhaps the the level of commentators would be greater. We'll have to wait and see exactly what happens uh, looking, in that. Looking at the MLS schedule, there are a 
maybe one or two potential conflicts for Tim Howard in terms of the group stage. Uh, there shouldn't be any in the uh, maybe there would be in the knockout stage if we don't know next year for their MLS schedule yet or if he's still playing. But uh, for the most part, he will be available to be in in, in Turner's studio. Uh, we we saw his work with NBC for a number of years when he was playing for Everton. Uh, I he he kind of grew as a co-commentator. Uh, I have never seen him do studio work though that I that I recall. So uh, it is different. Uh, he blossomed as a co-commentator, but now he's going to be transitioning to another role. Steve Nash, I think, is probably a solid pickup. Although again, we have we don't know how TV trained he is, but I, I just think he'll probably do well. Uh, Kate Abdo uh, is is a good choice. So I think the studio is almost certain to be an upgrade over Fox. I. I there is no question about that. Now, whether you like the world feed or you like uh, announcers calling games off monitors, um, that would determine maybe the, 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 the match broadcast the production will be the same. Um, and then I think the other uh, element of this is uh, the accessibility. You make a very good point, Chris, that I had not thought about about Fox Soccer Match Pass. So I, I went through, you, you and I both went through numbers where you got so many more games on Fox uh, than on you know, <coughs> The TNT's offering. But if you wanted to get games beyond those games, it was cost prohibitive on Fox, whereas it's not on TNT. So that's uh, that's a big difference. Yeah. Really, for core covers, especially. Yeah. And I think, too, in terms of the scheduling, I mean, we, we don't know what the draw is yet. The draw is not until the, for the group stage until September. And then we'll have a much better idea in terms of um, how the schedule plays out. So, for example, during the group stage, there'll be one game at the one o'clock um, window, and then one game at the three o'clock window. Um, and what if it's, you know, I don't know, Man City against uh, PSG in one game, and it's uh, Barcelona against, uh, I don't know, Spartak Moscow or something like that in the other game at the same time? That's that's where the issue is going to be. Be, but for some for some sports fans, uh, this will be, the TNT is going to be great. I mean, you have access to guaranteed uh, one game in that first time slot and another one, a double header essentially. Um, so for a lot of people, it'll be okay. But for the hardcore fans, it's going to be it's going to be a big change. Yeah, although TNT again is a station. <laughs> if you're working during the day, it's a station that you're more likely to find. It's a station that uh, if if your office might have just basic cable. Um, and no sports pack, it'll be on there. If you're staying in a hotel, you'll have it. So there's there, there are these advantages to, to, to the games being on TNT versus True TV. Remember, Chris, which we thought the games might be on. Yeah. Um, uh, this uh, maybe people who don't follow uh, Time Warner and, and and the cable industry don't realize this, but that's um that's a major upgrade just in terms of kind of credibility and visibility from true tv to tnt now again you can look at the number of homes and true tvs and just about the same number of homes as tnt but it's a channel that isn't as mainstream it's a channel uh, as our my my friend neil blackman uh, our friend neil blackman from the yanks are coming uh points out every year when the ncaa tournament rolls around you have to search to figure out you know the games are on tnt and tbs and true tv you know what channels tnt and tbs are because they're mainstream channels but you have to search your channel channel guide to find true TV. Um, so I'm actually kind of happy about this, Chris, because I had assumed, uh, based on what we had heard, that this was going to be true TV and not TNT. It, all, it also shows a level of seriousness yep. uh, by Turner that they're putting it on their flagship channel. Yeah, um, it's definitely an upgrade for sure. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like if Fox had put Champions League games, which they did at one point uh, on FX. Um, right. So it's, this, this, this should be pretty good, at least 
for those games that are on. Now, the games that are streaming that are not on television, that's a whole other issue and um, depends on your personal preferences and your personal finances. But um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think the change will be good. I, I just maybe it's my attitude towards Fox that I'm not um, in the freak out camp that all these people on media seem to be in. But uh, I think that this is probably uh, a wave of the future. And keep in mind how much Turner paid for these rights. They have to recoup some of that expense. And they have to be serious about it, having paid as much as they did for it. And part of that seriousness, again, is putting the matches on TNT. And I expect the, the, the studio shows to be much better than Fox's studio shows. So for, sure. uh, for people who've been complaining the last three or four days since this news came out, um, be patient, be tolerant, have an open mind. That's, that's my advice. The, the only thing we don't know yet, Kartik, and this is the big one, is, is Univision Deporters. So we know right, that right. They, they have the rights. We know that they will broadcast more games on television than Turner Sports will. Uh, what we don't know, and they haven't announced it yet, hopefully we'll get some more information next week, is you mean how they're actually going to promote this. I mean, is it how many games are going to be on television? Will they have a lot of the games uh, only available streaming or... What what the options are, and and that and that's the thing that I sh- if I'm Turner Sports, that's the thing I'm worried about the most because I think they're underestimating the viewership because the, the viewership says I'm not ready to subscribe to a eighty dollar a season uh, streaming package. I'm just going to watch it in Spanish and watch it on Univision, and I'm going to be happy with that. Especially after the Telemundo World Cup and uh, uh, Fox fiasco, where we had so many people English speakers watching the games on Telemundo because it was, you mean, b- better atmosphere, b- better picture, better, you mean, not the annoying uh, uh, Fox commentators. And, and for the most part, for the most of the World Cup, it was free. But uh, so we have to wait and see on that. Yeah. So, so Kartik, big news uh, this week. It, it, some, I mean, we've had so many people asking us about Serie A, so many people asking us about FA Community Shield, and also um, the be in sports angle. So there's a lot of things happening this week. So first of all, um, FA Community Shield, Chelsea against Manchester City is going to be on ESPN Plus on Sunday uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern exclusively in the United States. So it's not going to be on television. Uh, that's the only place you can watch it. And it's a one match deal. So that is not tied to any FA Cup deal or Serie A deal or anything. So if you want to watch when was the last time, the, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but uh, uh, when was the last time the Charity Shield wasn't on U.S. television? Probably over a decade ago, I would think. <clears throat> I'd, have to, I'd have to go back, but probably, if I had a guess, probably 2003, 2004, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, but that's part of it, too. It's just, it's just the changing nature of the industry. Is, this is going to happen more and more, where well, Europa League, I mean, every single game is only available streaming except for the final. So yeah. if you're an Arsenal fan and you want to watch games on television uh, at your local pub with your supporters group, you mean a lot of those places are not going to be able to show those games unless you're you've got a kind of a, a bar owner owner who's uh, has good Wi-Fi and is is flexible and, and says hey don't worry about it I'll I'll hook it up for you. Um, so it's a big change, but uh, so at least the good news is it's available because up until about 24 hours ago we were extremely worried that this game would not even be shown. Uh, anywhere in the United States, so that's the that's the first thing. So the second thing with Serie A, um, so this deal for the FA Community Shield 
uh, is completely separate, has nothing to do with any other t- uh, TV rights. It's only for one game. <clears throat> and um, with Serie A, we know that um, ESPN is interested. We know that Turner Sports is interested. Uh, we've reported this uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, a deal has still not been done yet. What we do know is that in terms of the negotiating, it's going back and forth, back and forth, counter-negotiations, back and forth. So everyone's thinking it's ESPN's um, competition uh, league to win, but I would not rule it out until a final decision is made because it could be Turner Sports coming in at the 11th hour says, okay, how much is ESPN bidding? Okay, let, let's, let's increase that by $10,000 or whatever it may be. So... We don't know. Um, the good thing is, is at least the Serie A season's uh, a few weeks away, so there is time. And I'm sure uh, IMG, who's brokering the deal, is going to use that time uh, as best possible to try to you mean, keep on increasing that, the, the, those prices, the value of, of the rights. On the other hand, we need to know soon because whoever wins it is going to have to start promoting that they actually have it. Uh, as soon as we know the news, we'll get the word out there. But um, again, it's 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 antsy times. Um, same with the FA Cup rights too. FA Cup rights, we're waiting to find out who's going to have that for next season. So a lot can change. And uh, as soon as we find find out any details, we'll we'll let you know, either on the podcast or the website. Or actually, across the podcast, website, social media, everything. Now, Kartik, being sports this week has had a week from hell. Um, in the past twenty four hours. They've been removed from Comcast Xfinity, and they've been removed from Verizon Fios. It's very much a he said, she said. Um, it's over. Uh, it's a carriage dispute. So it's uh, being sports uh, having a disagreement with Comcast, and uh, and then vice versa. And also being sports having a dispute with Verizon over over uh, carriage fees. So the amount of money that. Verizon would pay to be in sports for each subscriber that signs up to become a uh, be in sports uh, customer uh, through Verizon and vice versa for Comcast too. At the end of the day, if you're a be in sports subscriber and you're paying for be in sports and you have Comcast or Verizon, you're not able to access that channel. And, and to me, Kartik, this is extremely worrying news. Uh, it's almost as if Comcast and Verizon are working together to suffocate being sports and just to drive that price down as much as possible, especially with um, people fleeing uh, cable and cutting the cord and moving to other streaming platforms, etc. Um, I'm, I'm really worried about being sports. Uh, yeah, I've been worried about them for a while. And um, a source last week told me that they basically got another year, that's it, of, of, of financing and money and that they um if they don't retain the la liga rights now they have two more years on that contract but we'll probably know a year from now whether they're retaining it or not or whether they're even a contender to retain it given their, their financial situation um and their terror accessibility actually i guess it would be another consideration uh, uh for, for la liga potentially i mean i don't know if money or or, or, or visibility is the access but is the uh is the driver of this La Liga decision, uh, they might be done. Yeah, because so it, it might be similar to Satanta, where Satanta well, uh, paid, you know, just Satanta in the US, right? Where the yeah. plug gets pulled quickly and uh, even, and, and the uh, remainder of their rights uh, are distributed, and, and then the next rights period, everything goes somewhere else. It could be like that if you were around 10 years ago or, or um, 
uh, late 2008, uh, uh, early 2000, late 2008, early 2009. That's when that all unfolded exactly 10 years ago, actually. Yeah, so being sports, uh, the last time I checked, is in about 25 million homes. I'm sure a large number of those are from Comcast because Comcast is the number one cable distributor in the United States. Verizon isn't as big, uh, but still it's a, it's a big name, Verizon Fios. Everybody knows that. Um, if I'm La Liga, I would be freaking out because there's only, only what, August 17th is when the season starts. It's now, yeah. what, August 2nd. It's just a little bit over two weeks to go. And if I'm thinking that I'm worrying about whether my league is actually going to even be shown on U.S. television, uh, I'd be freaking out. Now, if- yeah, and also I gotta—I have to point out, uh, sorry, Chris, but Verizon FiOS is in some strategic regions of the country, in the Northeast in particular, um, and it's areas which have a higher percentage. Just I'm thinking a higher percentage of La Liga fans in other parts of the countries, uh, just based on demographics and and and. Uh, um, income level, etc. It could be this could be a complete disaster for La Liga. It could be. It could be. I mean, hopefully things will be will get sorted out. Um, it, it worries me because it sounds a little bit like it, it's not on the level of Gold TV, but this could become a Gold TV where all of a sudden that they keep on getting dropped from different uh, satellite uh, distributors. And and these days, a lot of soccer fans don't even realize that Gold TV is still going. Um, yeah. I don't. Being sports is not at that level by any means, but if I'm La Liga, I'm, I'm freaking out thinking that uh, am I going to have a, a challenge to show my games? I mean, this is this is huge. Now, if you're a Comcast or Verizon subscriber, I would honestly, seriously, sincerely uh, recommend switching. Cancel your service if you really want to watch La Liga and go to something like Fubo or, or Sling TV. And then that way, then you can actually watch La Liga as well as you know, NBC, ESN, and Fox, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, just because this could, could go down to the wire, and uh, I mean, they're really hoping that BN Sports will will go go in and probably just lowball. I mean, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a really really dicey issue, and, and also a, very much a back and forth. I mean, we've seen already with Dish Network, uh, who owns Sling TV. They've been in a, in a carriage dispute with Univision Deportes for the last, what, almost month now. And that, yeah. has, that hasn't been resolved, uh, which means that if you have Sling TV and you subscribe to Univision, all the Univision channels, you're not able to access them uh, until a deal is done between Univision and Dish Network. So, yeah, worrying times. All right, Kartik, let, let's uh, move on to the next uh, news item. Yeah, so uh, some Amazon news here. Amazon Prime Video has just released a trailer for All or Nothing, the Manchester City documentary that's been anxiously awaited. Uh, The official trailer reveals that the launch date for the Prime original show, which will be released globally, uh, uh, will be released globally on Friday, August 17th, exclusively on Prime Video. The new series, which will be narrated by Sir Ben Kingsley, will take viewers on an exclusive journey through the whole uh, of City's 2017-18 season, from the training facilities to the City Football Academy, to the interviews with the manager, boardroom meetings, and the week-on-week stories that unfold within the lives of players. I can tell you from talking to some folks, this is supposed to be fantastic. Uh, it's, a, it, it, it's the kind of documentary that uh, might blow uh, people's pants off as far as the access that was given. Um, it could be the harbinger of, of, of more of these sorts of things on Amazon Prime Video. We've also seen Netflix uh, do something similar with Juventus. And season two, which is actually part of season one, or the second part of season one, I don't know how they classify it, uh, that is now available on Netflix also. Yeah, and it's uh, Ben Kingsley. It's, it, it's Gandhi. 
I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of, one of the best actors. So, um, yeah, that'll be great to see. So, so <clears throat> thanks to a news tip from listener Jay Warner, uh, we've learned that MUTV has launched an app on Roku, so you can watch programming from Manchester United on your Roku device. It won't include live Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, or Champions League games, but you'll be able to, able to watch a lot of content, a lot of games on demand, uh, usually a few days after the games uh, have uh, been played, as well as other exclusive United content, such as interviews, etc. So Comcast has given up on buying 21st Century Fox's assets, leaving Disney as the winner in that uh, bidding war. So Disney and uh, Fox, 21st Century Fox, will seek, seek regulatory approval for that merger or for that asset swap, asset sale. Uh, note here, though, uh, for our listeners, this probably puts Comcast in the driver's seat to acquire uh, Sky TV in, uh, in the U.K. Uh, that's, uh, so keep, keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, which could mean that the uh, the company that owns NBCSN, which would be Comcast, uh, could own the company that owns Sky Sports, which is Sky TV. So there could be some more, you know, maybe some NBCSN kind of utilizing some of the uh, resources that Sky Sports have in the UK and having some synergy there. So that's a ways off, but uh, something to keep an eye on. Last but not least, Kartik, in, in the news segment, um, this year, the number of cord cutters in the U.S., uh, consumers really who have cancelled, who have ever cancelled the traditional pay TV service and do not resubscribe, will climb 32.8 percent to 33 million adults, according to a new estimate from uh, research firm eMarketer. And as we've seen with these carriage disputes too, they're happening. Uh, that's another reason for people to kind of uh, contemplate and consider perhaps uh, cutting the cord and not having to deal with all these cable issues and then just dream- moving to streaming. Uh, as one of many options out there. All right, moving on to TV ratings. Um, we have a bunch in here, Kartik. If you see any there that jump out at you that are interesting, uh, let me know. We'll have the full list at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as all the details about, um, about TNT and Bleacher Report Live and all that. So a lot more detail there in terms I, of the questions you have. I, I have to point this out, and I uh, don't know that... Uh, this is going to go over real big with the listeners, at least in this state. The two lowest-rated MLS games on national television in the last week were Orlando City games. And, and I just get the sense that as that team continues to flounder, uh, there are casual fans in Central Florida who are not watching the team as much. In fact, I know a few of them have told me that they're not watching the team anymore, which has a huge impact on the ratings because I think they were one of the teams that had a lot of casuals who don't necessarily go to games who will watch games on local cable and then when their team plays on national television. So uh, watch that. I think Orlando City is going to probably turn it around under James O'Connor. I think highly of him as a manager. Loved his work at Louisville City in USL the last few years. But if they don't, watch that because they've been one of the teams that's been put on TV constantly because they they have more fans. than um, You can't just base this on attendance. Orlando has more casual fans in their town than la does in in los angeles or 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 philly has in philly so so um that would i think be a pretty significant thing i would keep an eye on going forward i have a counter argument to that kartik (laughs) so so just just for for listeners so orlando nycfc had 176,000 viewers uh la galaxy against orlando had 140,000 viewers um but look at the teams that playing against kartik la galaxy nycfc two of the flagship teams in, in mls they should be getting more ratings by themselves, or at least on a national level. 
people should be interested in watching those teams and that should raise raise the bar and and we saw too after the the world cup with the the fox ratings with you mean know, 1.5 million for this game 1.2 million for this game is in many ways it's an artificial number we're now back to the reality of what mls numbers are there are some good numbers though lafc against la galaxy uh, the derby had uh, 291,000 viewers on espn on, on a thursday night um, that's good. That, 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 that's a, that's pretty good. That's a good yeah. number. Um, I'm not. I actually don't disagree with you. I, I'm saying that LAFC, or sorry, not LAFC, LA Galaxy and New York City FC are not driving television ratings. Nor do New York Red Bulls. Nor do uh, most of these teams. The teams that have driven television ratings the last few years have been Seattle, Atlanta, Orlando, and they've they've uh, in Seattle and Atlanta's cases they've depended on huge fan bases that are soccer centric. Uh, oh, in Portland, sorry, those four. In Orlando's case, it's been a lot of casual fans in Central Florida who are not necessarily hardcore soccer fans, but they, they love that team. That team is like an NFL team in that town. It really is. Yep. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to be in Central Florida as often as you and I are to, to know that. So as the team has performed poorly, they've lost, I think, 13 of their last 14 matches in, in, in the league. Um, they have a couple of cup wins sprinkled in there, but in, in the league, they, they've just been on this horrible run, this toward run. I've had friends tell me they're not watching the games anymore. They're watching the women's team instead because they're better, uh, which also we, we've noticed when Lifetime has better ratings, they tend to be Orlando games, which I don't think is a coincidence. Um, but but, but, uh, but, 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 um, but with that, Kartik, too, I mean, there's been a lot of people this past week on, on worldsoccertalk.com posting comments saying, like, ah, like, no one's watching ICC. ICC numbers are poor. MLS numbers are so much better. And if we look at this past week, we had um, 319,000 people watch the, the Man United-Liverpool match on Saturday on ESPN, uh, 294,000 for Bayern Munich against uh, Manchester City in the game that... Uh, was on I think it was on ESPN too I think it was on on Saturday night also um, and so on and so forth so so for, mo- for the most part most of the ICC numbers were greater than the MLS numbers uh, not not all of them but most of them were so th- there's definitely an interest from the TV viewers yeah. and we've seen from the attendances that they've actually been pretty decent. All right, let's move yeah. on to listener mailbag. We've got a bunch this week, Kartik. So let me kick off. Uh, uh, with Ben, uh, who posted this on Twitter, he says, I'm intrigued whether both of you see the future of Fubo TV, particularly with uh, Bleacher Report Live uh, now, now having Champions League, Europa League, and of course, Fubo doesn't have ESPN. DAZN 2, when it launches, maybe some strong competition. So, so my take on this, Kartik, is at the end of the day, it all depends on what you want to watch. So if you want to watch Champions League and Europa League, with Fubo, you could watch it in Spanish. You could have access to all the games from Univision, Unamas, I mean, uh, uh, Univers- Univision Deportes, uh, Galavision. I mean, no matter what channels ESPN or uh, Univision are going to put them on, you're going to have access to them. Uh, it doesn't have ESPN, so you're missing out on Major League Soccer. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Pretty, pretty much it in terms of club soccer. Uh, DAZN is definitely going to have some competition, but they're not launching until s- September. Uh, they will start off with the J-League. So they're going to start off small and kind of rise from there. But at the end of the day, again, with Fubo TV, it all depends what you're looking for. If you w- watch, w- want to watch the Premier League and you don't mind watching the Champions League in Spanish, then Fubo TV is uh, a good bet. All right, so next comment is from Edwin. Uh, he posted this on worldsoccertalk.com in the comments section. 
Can you guys discuss whether you think the ICC needs to be revamped? So far, it's been plagued by poor attendances and relatively lackluster TV ratings, which goes back to what I just said a minute ago. Uh, has the American footy fan moved on from this type of tournament? Would it be better to go back to the style of five years ago when there was K-League and then Liga Mackies and MLS teams involved too? So I'm not sure what it means. K-League is the Korean League, so there was no yeah. Korean teams involved, so I'm not sure what it means there. I think there was actually in the Far East. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, in, in the, but I'm talking about the American market. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the thing that I would do is get Club America or Chivas in the tournament <laughs> or Cruz Azul and, and yeah. maybe go a river. Um, that's one suggestion that uh, I've already kind of made internally and hope it gets up the totem pole to uh, the decision makers at, at relevant sports. And then uh, the other thing is that I think uh, ticket prices are, have become prohibitive. So um, the first year of this tournament, Chris, we were shocked. Uh, we didn't do this show in this format then. We, we, we were review shows, so we didn't really talk about it at the time. We were shocked by how cheap the ticket prices were, considering the clubs they had brought over and the amount of outlay you have for appearance fees for the likes of Real Madrid and Chelsea and Manchester United, etc. Um, now we're seeing that because that that's so expensive to pay these appearance fees, the ticket prices have risen accordingly to a point where it's not really affordable for a large number of American fans. So I think they have to find a happy medium. It was probably too cheap in 2013 and 2014, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, but they sold a lot of tickets, and they needed to, to get their foot in the market. Now I think it's too expensive. And then I, the other point I would make is, again, uh, invite a Mexican team or two and invite a South American team or two, and then you're, you're probably set. Yeah. Uh, for the U.S., I'm saying. For the U.S. I'm not about the Far East. I, right. I'm not, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The, the the tricky thing with this is because ICC gets a lot of, uh, I mean, negativity about ticket prices, is it could be the appearance fees. You look at the clubs that are involved in this tournament. I mean, you've got the biggest clubs from around the world. You've got the Barcelonas, Real Madrid's, Man United's, Man City's, Liverpool's, Spurs, Roma. You go down the list. I mean, every major team, I mean, Arsenal and, and Chelsea too, but uh, um, overseas, uh, and you mean so you got every major team from around the world, so the appearance fees, which is not public information, we don't know how much uh, international champions cup relevant sports is actually paying. How many millions are they paying out to these teams? And at the end of the day, with the ticket prices, I'm curious. I mean, is it is ICC making money or are they breaking even? Because I I wouldn't be surprised if they're breaking even or, or losing money, just because it's such a huge investment to bring all these teams over. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. That, that's, that's something in the industry is that they might be breaking even, and if they are, they're barely doing it. So yeah. that's um, – but again, I, I, maybe this becomes a situation like we've seen with so many professional leagues uh, in the United States in particular, and maybe we're, we're beginning to see with the Premier League to a certain extent. Well, definitely we've seen it with the Premier League, uh, is that attendance is less of a driver in ticket revenue than um, – than television. If they can get a better television deal next time, because these ratings are okay, relatively speaking. Uh, and we and we went through a few years ago the, the drama with them almost not being on TV at all because of right. um, the, the, their negotiations with Fox and NBC falling apart. Uh, if that can become a driver of revenue, that might change the situation significantly. So let's see when this comes up for renewal, how much money. Um, ESPN commits if they meet maybe the target that Relevant had set, uh, the ICC had set three two years ago when the deal with Fox fell apart. 
mm-hmm. the previous the negotiation with Fox and, and Comcast with NBC uh, fell apart because they were demanding too much money. Uh, we have articles about that at World Soccer Talk uh, from I can't, it was the summer of 2016, right? Maybe it was 15, even. I think, uh, yeah, every summer. <laughs> yeah, no, but we, yeah. we we definitely have written a few articles. You and I both. Oh yeah, yeah, about summer. the rights. So if you want to refer to our archives, yeah, about the TV rights for ICC, just do a search on World Soccer Talk. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating stuff. And and next summer, you mean you got the Gold Cup, you got the Women's World Cup. So Fox is out of the equation, I would think. And uh, yeah, but then again, Turner Sports or DAZN or you mean. Be in sports or I mean Univision, there should be a lot of interested parties in, in this. Uh, next up is Ed Ryder, and he sent this in through email. He says Kartik was spot on about the MLS's choices of games to follow the World Cup final, but he also pressed his f- th- thumb firmly down on a very sensitive and binary button. Should they be, appeal- be, be appealing to genuine soccer fans who would prefer Kartik's approach? Or should the MLS be trying to connect to the soccer-curious American audience who, frankly, aren't purist enough to mine turf and domes if they even notice them at all? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think soccer fans mine the turf and domes, and they were probably the ones more likely not to turn off the television after a game and just keep watching because there was another soccer match on but it is true that for americans and i know we've got a couple other listener comments about this for americans american sports fans who are raised on the nfl or nba uh, or, or or whatever uh, they don't mind turf and domes as much as soccer purists um to me though still and seattle has turf so it's more the dome than than the turf issue with atlanta for me because I, my suggestion was I wish this game had been in Seattle instead of Atlanta. Um, it's outdoor versus indoor. It's just the atmosphere and the ambiance. Um, and I think even in American football, there's been a, a feeling the NFL has, has, has said at times, you know what, when we've had these playoff games outdoors and it's been raining or snowing, it's really projected well on television versus uh, the dome obsession in, in the U.S., the craze of building domes. Um, all-weather domes in the 80s and, and early 90s um, has given way, I think, even among American football fans to a large extent. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It's a tough question. It was my, my personal opinion, but I, I know people disagree on that. So uh, the follow-up uh, comment here is from Kelly Outlaw on Twitter, which is along the same lines. It says, listening to the new podcast, I have a quick question. What is the issue with the turf and the indoor v- venue of Atlanta United? You're not playing the game. Also, as a black male, I enjoy the mix of black culture and soccer. Guess my soccer IQ is low. So we have no issue with uh, the mix of black culture and soccer, so I'm not sure where you're coming from with that. My issue is, um, yes, I'm not playing the game, but it's one issue is authenticity. Around the world, I mean, this game is played on, on grass, and playing it on turf, even though the technology with turf has improved, is still not the same game. So the bounce is different. Um, you mean kind of- I, I have to tell you, just from being around a team, so Miami FC, we have a, a championship game this week in the NPSL. It's on turf. We play on grass all season. Um, coaches, uh, players. It's a, it's a different uh, game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tra- I was at training the last two days. It, it, it's it's in their minds. It's con- They're conscious of it. Um, they're not they, – they have to be professionals and go on and do their job, but they're not uh, – let's just put it this way. Their preference would be to be playing on grass, all of them. Right, right, exactly. And for the viewer, it's it's a different experience, and, and it feels fake. I mean, it's to me, yeah. it's it just 
doesn't feel authentic and and it just I mean it rubs me the wrong way for a lot of viewers maybe they don't they don't mind if I'm at the stadium I'm I'm in the crowd I'm having a great old time you I mean it's probably not as much of an issue as me watching on TV when I can just change the channel and watch something else that's been played on grass where it is more authentic uh, Vincent Orozco from Facebook uh, posted this question. He says, I totally agree with you, Gaffer, about the Latino perspective and personality. I think former U.S. player Christopher Sullivan uh, would have been a great personality on the World Cup broadcast on Fox, even though, um, and, and for the studio analyst, uh, maybe Bobby McMahon. Uh, before Fox had the World Cup, in my opinion, they had better broadcasting talent. I would really love to hear a Max Bredos goal call at the World Cup. Do you guys agree? So the Max uh, Max Bredos, yeah, we'd love we'd love to have Max back on uh, World Cup uh, commentary. Um, I'd love to have Max back in the studio hosting instead of Rob Stone. Personally, I, yeah. that's um, and then as far as Christopher Sullivan, yeah, he would have helped uh, Bobby McMahon absolutely. Uh, I can't believe this. I mean, we hadn't thought about this Fox Soccer Channel. And I'll throw Christian Miles in there too, um, uh, who's a soccer guy. They had they had people who could analyze the game which uh i mean there was always cheap clunky production at fox that's been um that's been the case forever and ever and ever but when you talk about sullivan talk about bobby mcmahon who i think is our personal favorites chris both yep. you and i yep. uh, from that channel i i max Braders and i'll throw christian miles in there you, you four guys i think right there would have upgraded their world cup coverage now max has got a lucrative contract with espn they're going to pry him away from that but the other three guys uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have, I, I would have thrown Christian Miles uh, if they're going to do stuff out of LA, out of the studio anyway. They, uh, he's around. Why not? Why not hire him for yep. a month? Hire him back for a month. Yep, and and, and he still works for Fox. I, I think it's on a, on a freelance basis. But from time to time, yeah. you'll hear him uh, on Fox. Um, from especially Europa League, I think we heard him quite a few times. But moving forward, probably not as much. Uh, with not as much soccer coverage on Fox anymore. Um, Christopher Sullivan, it's interesting, Kartik, actually, uh, for the World Cup, he was working for BN Sports in Doha. Yeah. So in the Middle East, he was one of their expert analysts he, on set. I believe one of the first Americans to ever um, get a gig abroad. Our, our buddy Juan Arango, our colleague, also um, went to Jamaica uh, to do games. Uh, sports but, Max. Uh, right. For Sports Max, right. Um, but, yeah, uh, that speaks highly of the way Sullivan's analytical approach which i think sullivan was a little misunderstood because we weren't as sophisticated about how we watched and and observed the game uh when he was on fox back in the day but i think his level of sophisticated analysis would go over really well now in the u.s yeah um top notch the, the only problem i had with him was he talked too much but but yeah. if he was if he's improved that part of it i mean in terms of tactical analysis on U.S. television, one of the best. But truth, truthfully, if he were on Fox right now, he can talk as much as he wants because he'd be the only one giving that kind of analysis. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Eddie uh, posted this on WorldSoccerTalk.com. He says, Christopher, I caught your podcast and comments about MLS, specifically TV ratings. I don't understand your contempt for MLS as a footy fan. You should wish, wish the best for the sport at any level. So, so Eddie, I, I don't have any contempt for Major League Soccer. I do wish the best for the sport at every level from, I mean, from low league all the way up to, uh, even the professional leagues and, and beyond. Um, just because I have, uh, honest criticism or honest feedback or honest opinions about major league soccer doesn't mean I have contempt for the league. Uh, he continues, he says, you should be happy MLS TV ratings are doing well. 
yeah, I am happy. As we talked about in the last uh, segment, uh, some of the numbers are good. Uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy is a good example of uh, a game that I think people are tuning in to watch. I mean, this is a, a beautiful stadium. You got Zlatan, you got a, a derby, a, a really meaningful derby, and um, relatively an, an entertaining game. So, so yeah, I am happy. He says, who cares if they are using the World Cup to try and hook a, a sliver of the audience to follow Major League Soccer? Data has shown that it has worked for the league in the last World Cup as TV ratings saw a 15% increase and that crowd stuck around. Uh, so, the ratings saw an increase because Seattle came in the league right before the 2010 World Cup. Portland came in the league right after. And then after 2014, the next year, New York City FC and Orlando came in the league and that there was a also a unified television package that was better marketed for 2015 onwards. So I, I think the World Cup bump had a little bit to do with it, but it was more about... Uh, and this is to Don Garber's credit, strategically taking New York City FC was a new team, strategically poaching the lower divisions of their best teams, Seattle, Portland, Orlando. Now you throw Minnesota in that mix as well. Cincinnati beginning next year. That's what MLS has done. They've allowed the lower divisions in this country. They don't they don't believe in promotion and relegation, but they do believe in promotion uh, in a financial sense or if you have your business metrics right, pulling teams up. So, Eddie, I would say that's the reason They've been successful. Now, I, uh, I, I want to see MLS do well. I want to see American soccer do well. But I don't want to see MLS do well at the expense of other leagues and other development in the U.S. And that's a, that's a tight balancing act. Yeah. Because what we found is uh, monies that end up in MLS don't necessarily float down the pyramid. In some cases, they do to development programs. But in some cases, they don't. Um, and in many cases, they go into the pockets of MLS owners uh, and it's not a unified uh, pyramid with money flowing down um, to other places. And it's not necessarily either benefiting the women's game or the grassroots games and th things like uh, street soccer, which our friend Kyle Martino and others work on. So there's a lot to like about MLS. And it's good that they're, they're, they're improving their product and their television ratings are going up. But there's a lot not to like about them. I, I don't like conflating um, – Everything that's good for MLS is good for American soccer. That's a, that's a view that was out there um, in mass 10 years ago. It's not out there as much in mass now. People realize that there are nuances and differences, but there's still too much of that where the assumption is anything that's good for MLS is good for American soccer. Um, and I, I just can't subscribe to that view having been around the lower divisions for the last decade. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I, and I would say I have more issues with Major League Soccer's business practices than yeah. than I do in terms of um, the, the the actual playing, uh, you know, actual yeah, yeah, the, the games themselves. It's fine. It's uh, and that's the other thing, Chris. Okay, sorry to, to cut you off, but I have to finish this point. For people like you and me, they that's why I even started putting disclaimers on some of my tweets when I say, "Hey, this is great. This I'm watching this Atlanta Orlando game. It's fantastic." But I still don't like this league as a, as a business and the way they operate. Um, our, a lot of our concerns are about the business practices, and that is because you and I have been around the grassroots game. We've been about in the lower leagues. We've seen teams that have folded. We've seen teams that have uh, – we've seen just a lot of things that um, MLS benefits MLS, that, and they do a great job of that. But they, in some regards, what they do benefits American soccer as a whole, but in others, it doesn't. 
All right, Kartik, this one's uh, for you. It's uh, from Shell Walker. Posted this on Facebook. Uh, Shell says, Love the show, guys. I have a question for the show. A couple of years ago, I heard rumors of CONCACAF and CONMEBOL possibly combining into one American conference. Is there any truth to this? And would the U.S. and Mexico national teams benefit from this? Um, this talk's been around for a while, and Mexico in particular has wanted in the past to go to CONMEBOL because they feel like um, it would improve the level of competition. It would also allow their clubs um, back into Copa Libertadores and, and, and um, improve the stature of, uh, of Liga Emekis. Uh, so I don't think it's imminent. I, I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, how would it affect the U.S.? Well, the U.S. has to up its game and its players would have to toughen up pretty dramatically. The U.S. will never qualify for anything out of common the ball, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, let's just be perfectly frank about it. I mean, you throw the U.S. into, let's say, Colin Naval's 11 teams now, and you throw the U.S. in. Um, I don't know which World Cups the U.S. in recent years qualifies for out of that region. Maybe maybe 2006, uh, even though the U.S. didn't do well in the World Cup. At that point, the U.S. team was probably good enough to finish fourth or fifth uh, in Colin Naval and at least make the Intercontinental playoff. Uh, other than that, uh, maybe 2010. Uh, but then again, you think Uruguay's the team that went through the playoff. They were much better than the United States. So... Um, certainly not in 14 or 18 would the U.S. qualify out of common the ball. Uh, they would have to really improve their their, their game. Now, um, it would, however, bring a lot more money into U.S. soccer, um, and maybe that feeds development because instead of having uh, Panama come in for a qualifier, you've got Colombia or Argentina or Brazil in a meaningful match in World Cup qualifying. And... Uh, uh, that would be off the charts, I think, important for the visibility of the sport and the credibility of the sport in this country. Uh, the U.S. just may not qualify for very much, but it might really raise the the level, if you will. Yeah, it's important that CONCACAF and CONMEBOL stay independent uh, because they need to have, you I mean, that, that pathway to the World Cup, uh, World Cup finals every four years. Um, but the other thing, though, too, for me is that uh, there's opportunities for partnerships, as we saw with Copa, Copa America Centenario, you mean possibly it could be the uh, America's competition or America's tournament in the future, if there's space in the calendar, which is pretty pretty full. But something where that the South American teams can benefit from the you mean the the profit making opportunities in in North America, and vice versa, North America can um, profit from uh, in quotation marks the the the, pl- the higher playing level of South America. So there's opportunities there, I think, that would be interest both parties, but they have to be careful to keep everything independent so that uh, within FIFA, I mean, no, nothing changes within that organization. Uh, David Warren, uh, through email, said, uh, said that I, I checked out the Bleacher Report live website, and he says the, they do not hide the scores. I did live chat, and they said no one has asked for scores to be hidden. I said that every soccer site has it. Uh, Major League uh, Baseball TV has it. They will have an absolute disaster if you try to watch a, a Champions League or Europa match and the score is revealed. No one will pay for that. Which is interesting because Fox Soccer Match Pass, I think for the most part, didn't have the score bug in the corner. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I know there's yes, a lot. Fan Plus does with MLS. I think we've talked about this before, and it's encouraged me to jump from game to game. So earlier in our what, what have you watched segment, Chris, I uh, said I've watched a lot of MLS, a lot of it watching 10 or 15 minutes of matches because I'm on MLS Live and I see the score of the other game and I just say, hey, that game's more interesting. But 
I, I could see how if you're actually sitting down to watch a Champions League match, not yeah. an MLS match that you're, you're casually interested in and just want to see a better match, how it could be uh, impactful. So uh, we'll see what, what Turner does with that. That's a, that's a good point. Well, especially for TNT. So if somebody records the, the 1 o'clock game on TNT and wants to watch the other games on Bleacher Report Live, they're being played at that same time, which there'll be several games on at that same time. Um, if there are spoilers in terms of the scores, uh, that's going to ruin the experience of watching it uh, later. Um, so that could hurt subscriptions. On the other hand... In today's age, it's so hard to kind of really avoid that spoilers. Um, but um, yeah, good good points there from from David. Next up is Herb six one fifteen sent this in through YouTube. He says, "I love the World Soccer Talk YouTube channel. You two do a fantastic job in covering the, the logistics of televising the World Cup. I knew that I wasn't the only one that knew how bad Fox was in covering this World Cup. Last but not least, uh, Kartik uh, Robocop." through Twitter says, how does the financial chaos surrounding MP and Silver affect recent sporting rights acquisitions by 11 sports? Yeah, so uh, Andrea Rodrizani is not a partner. He has, I don't think he has uh, any part of MP and Silva anymore. He's the owner of 11 sports. He's the owner of Leeds United. Uh, he Maybe he has a, a small percentage of MP and Silva, um, but uh, Ricardo Silva himself only has a small percentage of MP and Silva. It's, it's now under Chinese investment. Uh, it won't affect their finances. What it could affect is the rights that they've acquired previously from MP and Silva. Uh, e, e, and there are a few that have come through MP and Silva through the relationships there uh, to 11 Sports. And uh, also keep in mind, 11 Sports bought the U.S. Uh, um, side of One World Sports, which One World Sports was owned by Seamus O'Brien, um, and, and uh, he is now managing uh, MP and Silva. So, and Eleven Sports obviously is Andrea Rodrizani, as I mentioned. So, there are some intertwinings there, but I'm not sure it's going to directly affect them. We'll have to see how this whole thing, uh, fall, the fallout from this, including the, um, the the situation with the default of payments to Serie A by MP and Silva. That that's uh, to be continued. Uh, we might be talking about it next week on this show. Yeah, and also I think uh, MP and Silva was the one that brokered the deal with the Scottish Premier League, uh, or Premiership. So, yeah. so that's in doubt. I mean, there's, there's question marks about whether or not um, we will be able to see a Scottish Premiership this season. I do know that Sunday's match between Aberdeen and Rangers right now is still on uh, Bleacher Report Live, and that's scheduled for Sunday. I think it's, you can watch it for two ninety nine. Um, so hopefully things get worked out behind the scenes. But uh, good question. Really good question. So if you have any good questions too for us uh, or want some advice or want to rant and rave or g- give us some feedback, feel free. We're always more than happy to, uh, to read those out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post uh, comments on uh, worldsoccertalk.com which is uh, the go-to website for all your information about uh, who's showing which, uh, which league, which competition from around the world. Uh, we've got a ton of articles uh, getting you ready for the, the new season. So 
Thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. In Kartik, going into this weekend with the English Championship kicking off, as well as tons of friendlies, uh, International Champions Cup still going on, and Major League Soccer, and Liga Mackey's new season, and much, much more, including the Scottish Premiership. What should they do? Enjoy your football. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.